And I want to continue our series today called Family Matters. How many of you believe family matters? Let me kind of let you in on a secret. If it wasn't for a family, you wouldn't be here, right? So family matters, right? But we're talking about um, about strengthening the family. And, you know, every year we just try to take some time to just talk about the family because nowhere else should the family be uplifted and encouraged like in the church, right? As we talked about last week, it was God's idea. He created the first family. Uh, he created the first um, family unit. And uh, he had a purpose in designing them. And uh, we talked about that in detail last week. So we talked about family health. It's important that our families are healthy. And uh, today I want to talk about parental health. How many parents do we have here today? Let me see your hands. How many grandparents do we have here? Let me see your hands. Woohoo! Raise a foot too. Yeah. How many people are not parents, but you'd like to be parents? You want to be parents? Let me see your hands. All right, great. We got one hand. In, in the early service, a few hands. In the early service, we didn't have any hands. It's like they were, I'm scared of something. I don't know. But, you know, parents, I think the subject of parental health is important for those of us that are parents, those of us that are grandparents, those that want to be parents. It's an important subject because parental health is a very necessary component to family health. If we want a family to be healthy, we have to have healthy parents. Is that right? Y'all tracking with me so far? If you are, say amen. As we mentioned last week, 75% of the population have been raised in a broken or dysfunctional family. And the primary reason for that is that um, is because of poor or completely non-existent parents. Because the parents have so much to do with having a functional family, right? And I think you would agree that that parenting has long-lasting consequences. I mean, this is not like just a, a, a week-long endeavor, right? And parents can either set up our children for success or failure depending on how we deal with the responsibility. The Bible says in Psalm 127 in verse 3, Behold, children are a gift from the Lord, a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And so we have to look at it like that. Our children... They're, they're a reward. They're a gift of God. Amen. And everything God gives us, he expects us to be a steward of whatever he blesses us with, whatever he gives us. He says, look, I want to give you this, but I want you to be a good steward of it. In Proverbs 23, 24, it says the father, mother of godly children has cause for joy. What a pleasure to have children who are wise. I mean, it's a pleasure. First Corinthians 4, 2 says it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. A steward means somebody that's been given the responsibility and oversight over something very valuable. And, and this morning, I want to encourage us. Family is valuable and we need to be stewards of that. Amen. And children are valuable, and we need to be stewards of that. And so as, as parents, we have a God-given responsibility to, uh, to, uh, to, to uh, steward the children that he gives us and to do a good job with them. Uh, we have God-given responsibility, the Bible tells us, to train and instruct our children. In Ephesians 6, 4, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. 
How many of you know that we're going to be responsible for how we dealt with our parenting role, right? And so we are to take it seriously and to do the best job that we can. Now listen, we can't allow the world to dictate to us whether children or family are important or not. Because I think as we go down the road, our society, our culture, our world, people that are that getting further and further away from God, they don't put much value on the family. They don't put much value on children. But the church, you and I, we, we can't allow the world and our culture to squeeze us into its mold. We need to hold our family and children in high esteem. Amen? We need to, we need, uh, we need to embrace the parenting role and see it like Jesus did. Do you remember when, um, when these parents brought their child to Jesus for Jesus to minister to them and the disciples tried to keep the child away? In Matthew 19, it says that some, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. And Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them before he left. Now, what Jesus was doing, I believe, is he, he I think he was rebuking the disciples because they had a wrong attitude and a wrong view of children. And he's trying to correct that. And so we need to have a correct uh estimation of our parenting role and as children. Parenting is a sacred trust. And in Matthew 18, in verse 1, it says, about that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this one on my behalf is welcoming me. Wow, what a powerful verse. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Did you know that in the eyes of Jesus, whenever we love children, we are loving him? Caring for children is caring for him. He said, whenever you've loved and accepted and reached out to one of these least of these, to these children, you've done it to me. And so listen, you know, the world says children need to be, you know, they're, they're botheration. And Jesus says, no, 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 they are precious to me. And come on, we got to embrace it like Jesus is embracing it. Amen. Because why? Family health requires the faithful stewardship of Christian parents. You know, in Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. The idea of parenting is to train or to prepare a child for adulthood. And so we got to get the vision as parents. Those of you that are in the middle of parenting, you, we got to get the vision. And by the way, even if you have children that are grown and going, we never get done with our parenting role. And we got to keep on doing it. Amen. But, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, how many of you ever had a child go spend the night somewhere like grandma and grandpa's or they went to, you know, they went spend a night at a friend's and you and you pack a bag for them. 
And, and you want them to go for the night and you want them to be taken care of, right? And so you pack a bag and, and what you put in that bag? Well, it depends if you're mama or your daddy. You know, if you're daddy, you don't pack much, right? And they get there and they don't have nothing. But the moms, like, you know, I mean, this is for a guy, but you know, toothbrush, deodorant, you know, moms think of that, right? Dad's like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Like, you need to brush your teeth, you know? But like, you know, undergarments, like, you know, and, and so, you know, and, and moms, you know, they really care about, they want them to have a successful night, an overnight trip. They'll even give them some Amos, famous Amos cookies or something like, I want to make sure that you're not hungry. But you know what? Parents, like moms, they pack a bag for their child overnight because they want them to have a good experience. And parents, if we could get the vision that our parenting is like packing an overnight bag, but not just overnight, we're packing their life, we're packing them for life. And so when the time that we have for them, we're putting in their bag. Listen, what you put in their backpack while they're, while you're parenting them is what they will have to survive for a lifetime. So we have to be very careful what we put in their bag. And we have to make sure they have the necessary ingredients so they can be successful. Come on, if y'all agree with that, y'all help me preach this morning and just say amen. The more positive things you put in their bag, the better off they'll be. The more negative things you put in their bag, the, the tougher time they'll have. Ephesians 6.4 says, don't, fathers, don't exasperate your children, but instead bring them up in the training and the instruction. God requires us as stewards, as parents, to train our children, to instruct them, right? So, you know, a good question is, what should we put in their bag? What lessons should we teach them while we have that door of opportunity? I just want to offer a couple of suggestions. Number one, we should teach our children to obey and respect authority. How many of you believe that's a good idea right there? See, listen, one of the greatest gifts you can give your child is teaching them to obey and respect authority. Now, listen. In our society, we're losing respect for anybody, and especially authority. Listen, whenever I was growing up, you had to respect authority. And I think we need to get back to that. And I think if you want to put something that will help your child be successful whenever they get old, is teach them to obey and respect authority. Amen? Why teach them to obey and respect authority? Because you're setting them up to be successful in life. And I want you to see Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is right. Verse 2, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That's, isn't that a great promise? So listen, notice the quality of a child's life is determined by their willingness to obey, honor, and respect authority. He says parents, but how many of you know it starts there? Teaching a child to obey and respect authority begins in the home. Listen, teaching, I'm going to say it again, teaching our children to obey and honor and respect authority starts in the home. Not at the church, not at the schoolhouse, and not at the church house, our home. Amen? Have you ever been in a public place and you've seen this child throw a temper tantrum, and uh, and there that that child he's, he can't even walk yet, 
but he's totally controlling that mom and dad. You ever saw that? I mean, it's amazing. You know why that happens? The parent has not established their authority in the home. And so as parents, we got to learn. In Ephesians 6, 2, it says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with the promise that it may go well. Listen, where is a child to learn to honor his father and mother except in the home? So you, we got to train them. we got to teach them. Ah, ah, hold up, hold up. Don't talk to mama like that. Don't talk to daddy like that. Oh, no, sir, no, ma'am. You can't slap your parent in the face like that. Oh, no, that's off. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Where is a child to learn that? In the home. And we need to teach them that. Teaching a child to obey and respect authority requires patient parental environment. How many of you know that uh, involvement? How many of you know this doesn't happen overnight? You can't just tell them one time and they got it, right? I mean, we don't, we don't do like that, right? Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, don't exasperate your children, but instead bring them up in training. Now listen, it takes a parent's precious time to train a child, right? It takes time and you got to be patient. And the Bible says, don't exasperate. Now listen, for, for those of us that are dads out there, our, my tendency, you as a dad, typically, it's not always that way, but typically we have a tougher time being patient. We're harsher. We're harder. And he says, no, 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 no. Teach them, train them, but don't be, don't be harsh. Don't be hard. Don't slap them over the head and say, respect your mom. Are y'all with me out there? Y'all still breathing out there? Okay. Just check it. But it takes time. And listen, our teaching them to obey and respect authority has to be tempered with compassion, love, and tenderness. We can't just slap them over the head and say, why'd you do that, boy? I remember Tanya and I working with teens, and we were bringing them on a trip, and, and, and the child sat in the wrong seat, and the mom liked to knock his head off. And I thought, man, how is this guy going to have a tender heart? when he's getting treated like that by the one that's supposed to be nurturing him. See, we listen, we can't lose sight of the goal of what we're doing. Teaching a child to obey and respect authority sets your child up for a lifetime of success. And that's why we're trying to teach them. Not because we're, we're so important and you're going to respect me or I'm going to knock your block off. No, we're trying to teach them. If you learn how to respect authority, it's going to be good for you. The Bible says that it may go well with you. What a tremendous promise. So the reason, the reason why we're trying to teach people to obey and respect authority is we want our child to be successful. What parent doesn't want their child to be successful? Well, listen, if you want them to be successful, you got to teach them. You know, I, I personally experienced the value of this. Of course, you know, for those of you that are young, they had what they called old school parenting. Today, my parents might have got in, in, put to, put in jail because of their old school parenting. Like, you know, I mean, they, they didn't play, you know, but you know what? I didn't realize the value of that until I got older. But you know, whenever I got older, I remember in high school, there was a teacher that should have been in college, but she was in high school and she thought she was a professor. And so she made the class so hard, even bright students were failing her class. And I thought, I'm in trouble. 
I'm never going to pass that. So it's like, well, I did the only thing I knew to do. I walked into her class and I was polite. And I said, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And I just obeyed her. If she said, take your book out, I took my book out. If she said, put your book up, I put my book up. I just did what she said. And you know what? Amazing to me, even today, I passed that class. But I realized just a, just learning to respect authority helped me to pass a test, helped me to pass a class, rather. I mean, she worked with me. She helped me to pass the class. Praise the Lord. Can I get a witness in the house of the Lord today? And I got my high school education. Amen. But you know, another time later on, when I went into the work world, I was working on the rigs and, um, you know, these old company men, man, they were tough as nails and, and they were like, they, like, they weren't happy. They, they, they were like, like, they don't know why you showed up on their rig. Like, what are you doing here? You know? And I realized, listen, just being respectful to them. Yes, sir. No, sir. Okay, sir. I got favor with them. And, you know, I was a serviceman. I, I didn't work for Exxon or Chevron. And so which meant that servicemen, they, they got treated like they had to, we had to wait to eat after they ate. We couldn't go certain places because that was just for the company people. But I, I learned that just by obeying and respecting authority, they would invite me into the, into the, the supervisor's quarters. It's like, wow, look at that. I'm just trying to tell you that if you teach them to respect and obey authority, it's going to help your child be successful in life. And I'm telling you where that starts is right in our home. Amen? If you got that, say, I got that. A second lesson we should teach our children is we should teach our children to develop godly character. Now, I know respect and authority is part of character, but how many of you know it goes beyond that, right? Have you ever wondered why or what the Lord really desires from godly Christian couples? Did you know what he really desires is a godly offspring? In Malachi chapter uh, 2 and verse 15, the last book of the Old Testament says this, Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and spirit? You are his. And what does he want? Listen, what does he want? Godly children from your union. So gorge your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. The Lord desires for God-fearing couples to have godly children. That's how he's going to impact the earth. That's how he's going to bring light and salt to the earth. It's through the godly families, the Christian families. But the question is, how do you teach your children godly character? You teach them godly character through discipline. Proverbs 19.18 says, discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you're going to ruin their lives. Verse 19, hot-tempered people must pay the penalty if you rescue them once, you have to do it again. In other words, if you don't correct them when they're misbehaving, you're gonna, they, they're gonna suffer for it in the long run. Disciplining our children will keep them from ruining their lives, Proverbs says. So parental discipline and correction is what produces godly character or godly children. 29.15, Proverbs says, To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is, a, is disgraced by an undisciplined child. A mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. What's an undisciplined child? A child that has no restraints, 
no control, has no boundaries. They go as they please. They do as they please. They live like they're pleased. No, parental guidance says, no, these are the boundaries. You can't go outside these boundaries. Are y'all with me out there? And so listen, to raise wise and godly children, we have to discipline them when they disobey. We have to discipline them when they dishonest. We have to discipline them when they disrespect and mistreat other people. But listen, we also have to reward them whenever they do right. We have to say, man, you did so good. We got to also, you know, listen, parents are good at what, you know, correcting. You did, you did. But listen, what we need to get better at is not just correcting them, but, oh, thank you so much. That was so kind of you to help that guy off the, off the bike, you know, whatever it is. Come on. How many of you know we all need encouragement and so do our children? Amen. So discipline is not only correcting wrong behavior, but it's celebrating and rewarding good behavior. How many of you, how many of you could have used a little bit more rewarding whenever you were grown up, right? Godly discipline, listen, is relationally driven versus rules driven. If you want your children to grow up and be rebels, just give them a bunch of rules with no relationship. You got to have relationship, right? Now, listen, before I move on, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting you go around beating your child. You're going to go to jail for that, right? That's not my heart at all. But listen, I am suggesting that we don't leave our children to themselves. You know, I remember, I remember, you know, Tanya and I, whenever Olivia was like, I don't know, she was like three or four years old. She was on a tricycle. I don't think she can even ride the bike. I might have been pushing her. And all of a sudden, this little kid comes riding up next to us. And he rides with us in the neighborhood. And he comes to our house. And I say to him, where's your parents? Are they over there? Over there where? Where do you live, son? I'm bringing you over there right now. You need parental guidance is what you need. Are y'all with me out there? We, they need parental guidance. And so we are the ones that God entrusts us to give them guidance and to teach them. See, listen, Proverbs 22, 15 says, a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. We need to teach our children their consequences to right and wrong choices and right and wrong behavior. Amen? If you got it, say, I got it. And I want you to just remember that discipline is the way the Lord establishes godliness in our life, too. You know, how many of you know God has a paddle? See, some of you don't believe that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a scriptural basis right now. God will take you behind the woodshed. Right? Hebrews 12.10 says... Our fathers discipline us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our, for our, that we may share in his. No discipline seems pleasant. When? At the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Somebody said God whispers through pleasure, but he shouts through pain. God knows how to discipline us. 
And he disciplines us not because he's a mean God, just the opposite. He loves us enough not to let us go play as children on Ambassador Caffrey. Because he knows it's going to kill us. Are y'all with me out there? See, our motivation for disciplining our children, if we really love them, I didn't read the whole passage, but if you go back to Hebrews 12 and read that whole passage, he said, if you love your children, you discipline them. Now, you know, we've all heard, this is going to hurt me more than you. Yeah, right. Well, why are you going to do it then if it's going to hurt you? Let's save me some pain and you some pain. Don't do it, right? But you know what? The motivation is really because we're trying to raise up a godly seed. Amen? A third lesson we should teach our children is we should teach our children how to work and take responsibility for themselves. See, more and more people have this entitlement mentality. They think they just automatically should get stuff, even though they didn't do nothing for it. I don't know if that's proper grammar, but y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Like, I, I know I didn't show up at work, but I mean, I'm on the payroll. I should get a check. Well, no, no, you get paid because you show up here, Jack. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Well, yeah, I know we're supposed to get to work at 8, but, uh, you know, they had some traffic. Well, leave early. Come on, I'm, I'm, y'all winding me up now. Well, listen, folks are more, you know, in, they're, they're more entitlement thinking than ever before. But listen, folks, life isn't quite that way. If you want something, you gotta work for it. Life is not a free ride. It's not a, it's not a handout system. If you want to be successful, you gotta learn how to work for it and take responsibility. Come on, I need a better amen. Even though, even though that might hurt. Come on, we gotta do it, right? And so listen, as parents, we need to teach our children to work and take responsibility. Galatians 6, 5 says, for each one should carry his own load. Carry your load. Amen. You know, you might have heard me tell this story if you've been around here a while, but I want to recommend Boundaries with Kids. It's a book. It's an incredible read. But the book starts off by telling, the, the author tells this story. They went to dinner with a couple, and uh, all of a sudden they got, they're getting ready to eat, and the wife takes off. And she says, I'll be right back. And so after a while, it bugs him that she just left. And so he's like, I'm going to find out where she is. Followed her, went up the stairs, and she's in her 14-year-old's room. And she's cleaning up the room. He says, what are you doing? He says, I'm cleaning up Johnny's room. And he says, you doing what? I'm cleaning up Johnny's room. And he says, oh, I feel sorry for his wife. And she says, what? He's like, well, you know, his wife, he's going to expect his wife to clean up his room whenever he gets old. Because he's not learning to be responsible and clean up his own room. See, one of the things that you want to put in their bag, their overnight bag for life, is take responsibility. Work. The Bible says if you don't work, what it says? Now, I'm glad my mom and dad didn't know that first. <laughs> But are y'all tracking with me? You know, listen to this. This guy, Bruce Johnson, who does uh, J Ranch, 
and he, he tries to promote and support families. He says this in his uh, teaching or his training called Journey of Transition. He talks about uh, adults or teenagers that are not or getting ready or entertaining a relationship. He says, girls should not consider getting married to a guy until two things are established in that young man's life. First, they have a track record of consistent godly character. Like anybody can be godly at church, right? And for a week, right? The second thing is they have to become a proven provider by working and being responsible. So in other words, whenever they get married, it's like, we ain't got no money. Yeah, I know. Well, honey, you need to go get you a job. No, sir, you need to go get a job. I don't know. I don't know how you believe, but the Bible says that the man is supposed to get out there and hammer out a living and be a provider. Now, somebody might not like that, but that's truth. But again, it's our culture. Our culture is trying to squeeze us in a mode and trying to rewrite the script. Listen, God wrote the script, brother. You can't rewrite it. It's in stone. It's like the Ten Commandments. Come on, y'all help me preach today. All right, I'm going to get off that high horse. Now, guys should not consider marrying a girl until she has lived a life or ex exhibited a life of consistent godly character. And that she has proven to be disciplined and, re and a responsible person. You know, if you're a wife, you have to be responsible too. Right? Is this good? Is this right? It's the truth. But you know, listen, I think the greatest gift we can give our children is to train our children how to work. You know, and listen, you know, some of us, we grew up in homes where our parents, like, like we grew up in Egypt. Make some more bricks, you know? It's like, oh, oh. And I mean, we were, I think, you know, our parents probably got arrested if it had been today. And then we swing the pendulum like, oh, my parents made me work so much. I'm not going to make my children do anything. But you got to get the big picture. The reason why we want to teach them how to clean their own room is because so whenever they become an adult, they can be successful at home. And listen, at work, they'll clean up their own workspace. You got it? If you got it, say, I got it. Let me, before I, I go to point four, let me just encourage you. Um, parents of young children, I encourage you to read Boundaries with Kids or or do a life group. Like some of you might want to just facilitate a life. I think we have uh, Boundaries with Kids curriculum. I'm not sure, but I think we do. And it's like you got to learn because we many of us, we're in dysfunctional homes. We don't know. But listen, there's so many, so much valuable resource out there. Biblical resource. Biblical emphasis, biblical. And then those of you that have junior high, senior high, or your kids are transitioning, we have some stuff called um, Journey of Transition. It's CDs. you got to listen to it. But it, it, I think it will help you, okay? All right. So fourth lesson we should teach our children is we should teach our children how to live a life of authenticity and transparency. I know we can't be perfect. And, you know, this is a, like, this is a tough subject, talking about parenting. How many of you in here feel like you are the greatest parents in the world and you are professionals? 
Let me see your hands. Let me see how many liars we have. Come on, listen, listen. Adam and Eve had God as their parents, and they still messed up. So we're not going to get it all right. We're not going to be perfect. Not Even though we do the best that we can, it doesn't guarantee us anything. Amen? But how many of you know we got to do the best that we can? And one of the things that we, listen, we got to be authentic and transparent, right? We got to be, listen, we should strive to constantly be the best version of a human that we want our child to be. In other words, we say, listen, be like me. Wow. Oh, my goodness. That's what Paul said. Follow me as I follow Christ. Ooh. Have the attitude I have. Ooh. Talk like I talk. Ooh. Are y'all tracking with me? We can't be one version at church and another version at home and then another version while we're driving down Johnson Street. Oh, I, I could tell I hit a nerve right there. We'll keep going, all right? Remember, we can't take our children where we haven't been ourselves. And Matthew 10, 24 says, Students are not greater than their teacher and slaves are not greater than their master. We can teach what we know, but we, we're going to reproduce what we are. Like, we can't say do this and then we do something different and expect our children to do that. Let me say that again. We can't tell our children, you need to do this, but we don't do this and expect our children to do this just because we said to do this. We have to be authentic. Okay? Are y'all with me? We can't expect them to be better, a better version of a human than we are. We're their example. And how many of you know an example is the most powerful learning tool that there is? I mean, we, we learn by watching. We learn by seeing, right? And that's why whenever we see our children acting like us, we go, oh, no. But children are most impacted by authenticity and transparency. In Matthew 23, 27, he says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. So he's saying we need to focus more on the inside than the outside. You know what hypocrisy is? It means stage playing. It means you act the part. Like when people are in, in theatrical things, they act like they're a person that they're really not. And he's saying, listen, as a Christian, don't act the part. Be the part. Be it through and through, totally, at home and at work. How many of you say, Jesus, help me right now? Jesus, help. I need your help right now. Amen? But that's our goal. I know we're not going to be perfect. I know we, we're not going to hit the mark every time. But listen, the transparency comes in where whenever we say, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I just bit off your head. I'm sorry. That was harsh. How many of you know that goes a long way? Doesn't it go a long way with you? If somebody does you something and they come back and say, I'm sorry. I don't know what. I, I... It has so much power. But transparency says, listen, I know I've been telling you, you need to respect others, but I haven't been respecting the neighbor. 
And we just need to be as transparent and authentic. Yeah, that. I don't know if I learned that word in Erat, me. No, Erat's got a great school. It ain't a school. It's me. It's me, oh Lord. Are y'all are y'all grasping what I'm saying? So as parents, and listen, I want to encourage you, even if you're grandparents and, and your kids are 50, you're not done. Keep reaching out. Keep reaching out. You know, like one of the things I hear is that, you know, listen, you know, like, you know, my children don't call me or whatever. Listen, if you don't pay on the on the front end, you're going to pay on the back end. You got to build relationship. And listen, you got to, relationship is the most important thing. Because listen, if your children like you, they're going to want to hang around you. I, I know that's deep. But it's true, isn't it? And then so you do the best that you can. And then listen, after you're done, you just put it in the hands of the Lord. And you just keep working at improving and being the best version of a human being and a parent that you can possibly be. And, and you, we all need God's grace. Amen. Would you do me a favor and stand with me this morning? How many of you like, man, I need God's help? How many parents? Let me see. How many parents? How many grandparents? Raise both of your hands. Come on. How many of you say, Jesus, I need your help? I need your help. I need your, I need a lot of help, Lord. But come on, how many of you know God will help us? God will help us. He's on our side. Just close your eyes right there. Just keep your hands lifted. And, and maybe, maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to just ask God to forgive you. Maybe you just need to make a, a fresh commitment. Maybe, maybe just this morning you need to say, Lord, Lord, help me. Help me, God. Help me. Come on, ask yourself this question. Am I obeying authority? Am I setting a good example of respecting and obeying authority? Or am I showing my children how to rebel against authority? How to resist authority? Am I displaying godly character? Or am I living a godly life? And am I setting the, exact, the right example? Father, I pray for everyone in this room right now. Those that are parents, those that are grandparents, those that want to get married, those that want to have children, those that want to raise a family. God, we need your help. This is a hard job. And our culture is squeezing us. But God, I pray, have mercy on us today. Lord, give us the vision that we're packing our children's bags for a lifetime. Help us to put the right things in their life that as they become adults, they will have a greatest chance of success. Thank you, Lord, for the grace of God that is with us right now. In Jesus' name. Now, now would you do me a favor and just put your hands down. Remember Jesus said, instead of shunning the children or just be quiet, and, and dis, not having value. He said, we got to do just the opposite. In fact, he said, we got to become like children and we got to humble ourselves. And he said, unless you get humble enough to realize that you need God's forgiveness and you're willing to repent, turn from your sins, you can't enter the kingdom of God. You can't be a good human 
a good child of God, a good parent, till you surrender your life to Christ. You can't reproduce what you're not. So with your heads bowed, if you're here today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I've never, I've never surrendered my life to Christ. I've entertained it. I've thought about it. I've played church. I've come to church. But I sincerely, I never gave my life to Christ. But today I'm ready to do that. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just lift your hand? And I want to pray a special prayer. Just hold your hand up. I see your hand, ma'am. I see your, your hand, sir. Just hold it up. I see your hand, sir, right here. Right here, sir, I see your hand. Right over here, sir, I see you. Just raise your hand. The rest of us are praying for you right now. I see your hand. They have some children raising their hand. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Now let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood so my sins could be forgiven. Lord Jesus, I humble myself and I submit my heart. I submit my life to you. You be my authority. You help me, Lord, to live the Christian life. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Now listen, those of you that prayed that prayer, there's a little card uh, that said, I made a decision. If you take the time to fill it out, bring it in the lobby. To We have a gift for you. We're not going to harass you. We will pray for you. We just want to give you some tools to help you get started. And welcome to the family of God. Amen. Listen, if you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. Let me pray a blessing over you. Father, I pray every person in here, they belong to the family of God. And I pray just as you prayed for that child in that story, I pray you put your hand on the life of every person here and that you bless them, you favor them, and they grace them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.